Act Two of The Squire by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two The Siren. Scene An old fashioned, comfortable, oak panelled room. The furniture dark and cumbersome. Down stage right, a door. Up stage right centre, capacious fireplace with solid mantelpiece above it. At back, right and left, two substantial casement windows. The windows are in deep recesses, about two steps above the stage level. These recesses are sheltered by heavy draperies. Between the windows, up stage centre, a massive bureau, opened with writing materials upon it. Before bureau, a square stool. On left of bureau, a chair. Upstage left, a door. Below door left, a settee. Above settee, a bell rope. Before fire, a comfortable armchair. Left of armchair, a small table with a reading lamp upon it. On mantelpiece, a clock to strike other articles of furniture, etc., to fill spaces. The flooring of dark oak, square carpeting right of stage. The whole to produce the effect of a woman's room. Curtains closed, left window unfastened. See written letter on bureau. All gas out behind, gas one half up inside. Music for act drop. It is night-time, no moon. The lighting is to be sombre throughout the act. Before the curtain rises, Felicity's voice is heard singing off right. There's a jingle to make a maiden glad and flush the skies above her. The clink of the spurs of her soldier lad, I am a faithful lover. Sun is shining, flowers are blooming, light and bloom are not for I. What if sob and sigh are looming? Hear the jingle while you may. Curtain. There's a jingle to make a maiden glad and flush the skies above her. The clink of the spurs of her soldier lad, I am a faithful lover. Kate enters at close of song, puts keys on table, leans over back of armchair, listening. Poor little bird, singing of her soldier lover. How am I to tell her that her soldier's heart is not of so bright a colour as his jacket? How can I tell her when there is another soldier lover in the world so good and so true? Sits right of table. She opens her locket. It contains a likeness of Eric. Eric? Oh, the man who painted this miniature hasn't done Eric justice. The face is too white and pink, and the moustache isn't at all the right shade. I know I could catch the exact tone of Eric's moustache if I were a painter. It's a kind of browny, yellowy, red-tinted, a sad auburn, with a seaweedy wash about it. Under the nose it suggests one of our daybreak skies, and there, where the ends droop, a sunset of turners. Dear old Eric. Mm. Kisses Locket. 
there is a knock at the door left. Kate hastily closes the locket and glances at clock. It's late. Who is it? The door opens left, and Christiana enters, knitting stocking. Gilbert eyed in Gunyon with a box of clothes for the girl. Down by Settee, left. Gilbert and Gunyon enter. Gilbert carrying a very diminutive wooden trunk. He places the box down left centre and doffs his hat. Gilbert still has his gun with him. He goes up to Bureau. Good night to you, Squire. Gilbert, I has been so kind as to lend me hand with this blessed box. Pointing at box. My child's wardrobe, Squire. Scraped together by the sweat of my brow. Sit down, Gilbert. Gilbert puts his gun down, left of Bureau, and gets to right of it, standing. Take Felicity's wardrobe upstairs into Felicity's room, Mr. Gunyon. Gunyon goes to take box. Christiana down left. Excuse me, squire, but before Gunyon goes, I should like you to make note of the ale. Gunyon drops box. That's been drawn from the new cask. The ale was in my keeping, and it's due to me for you to know of the loss. Gunyon on his knees. Drag you for a mischievous hussy. Why, your own flesh and blood helped me to drive the tap in with a mallet, and drank double what I did. More shame for an old man to lead a poor boy astray. Kate, shaking her finger at Gunyon. Oh, Mr. Gunyon, how could you? Gunyon rises, gets nearer table. Well, Squire, it's not a thing I done afore, and it's not a thing I'm like to do again. Come, come, that's all right. And I'll pay the penalty precious dear. I've had my head under the pump from four o'clock till past sunset, and wetting my head's a thing I durstn't do. Oh, dear. As for the dropper drink, I was drove to it by grief. By grief? I'm an old man, I am. I ain't got a tooth in me head. I've had thirteen children, and now the last of them's gone. It ain't for an old man to see the only set of teeth in his house walk out of the front door without taking on a bit. Felicity sings again, off right. Why, confound a brat. She's squalling in the squire's place now. Don't he stand it, squire? Felicity comes from door right, carrying a book and a little silken shawl. She gives book to Kate, and gently places the shawl on Kate's chair. Drat you! What do you mean by vocalising free and easy like that? You ain't been called on for it. Do you want to make your father look small? I beg Squire's pardon. If I didn't sing, I should cry. That's the worst of being too happy. It makes people choky. Kate pats her cheek, seeing her box. Oh, father's brought my bits of things. She runs over to box, throws open the lid, and hurriedly empties it of the few mean articles of clothing it contains. From the bottom of the box, she takes out a small, gaudily framed picture. Oh, I am so glad. There's my Lindsay and my galoshes. My workbox. What do you mean, my bits of things? Leave your wardrobe alone. 
Gunnion hastily replaces the clothing. Felicity runs over to Kate and gives her the portrait. Look, Squire, Tom Morris, any handsome. Gunnion, replacing clothes. Damn these things. What do you mean by tossing your things on the floor in that way? Lifting box. Good night, you squire. Christy goes up to chair by left, downstage. I'll leave this in the girls' room and be off. Good night, Gunyan. Felicity goes to Gunyan. Good night, father. Go straight home. Dratty, what do you mean by that? Felicity goes round back of Kate's chair to stool right and sits looking at photo. Good night to you, Gilbert Ives, and thank you for your help. Good night, Christy. Shouldering box. Darn this wardrobe. Turning to look at Felicity. Ah, uh, your twelve brothers and sisters never had a start in a world like this. He goes off. Christiana closes the door after him, then sits on chair up left, knitting. Gilbert comes to table, puts hat down. The time's come for us to part company. I've brought my books and odds and ends, squire, as I promised. But you must make one at the harvest feast, Gilbert. Who is to play with the children and to set the old folks laughing if you are missing? Folks will have to laugh at me, squire, if they are to get a laugh out of me tomorrow. He takes a few rusty keys and some small dog-eared books from his pocket and places them on table before Kate. Here are the keys, the red barn, the barn below Fenning's Field, the storehouse. Kate puts key and money in key basket. The key of the Oaks house, Gunyon's got. Puts books on table. There's my account. It's poor bookkeeping, Squire, but plain. Will you cast your eye over it? Kate, shaking her head. No. Thank you, Squire. Places a little bag of money before her. John Buckle's rent and Mrs. Tester's arrears. Less some job wages paid by me since Saturday. And that's all. Thank you, Gilbert. And now, Squire, I can't say goodbye to you in two worlds. Will you hear what I have to say? Certainly, Gilbert. Gives book to Felicity. Gilbert looks at Felicity and at Christiana and leans over the back of Kate's chair. Can't it be between us two, Squire? No. Kate, I'm almost a desperate man. Take care how you treat me tonight. Kate, without moving, aside to Gilbert. How dare you speak to me like that? Gilbert, aside to Kate. Reason before you let your good friend slip from you. I'll give you a chance to consider what you are doing. Turns up to Bureau. Squire, I want to scribble a few words to you. Pointing to Bureau. May I write here? If you please. Gilbert sits at Bureau and writes quickly. What are all these, Felicity? Felicity, opening book and reading. Gilbert Hyde's Cures for Cows. Shall I read him, Squire? Oh, no. Felicity, from another book. Poor Mother's Receipt for Brewing Herb Beer. Note, but nobody can brew it like poor mother could. 
Kate takes the book from Felicity and reads, aside to Felicity. Gilbert's mother was my nurse. Takes book from Felicity. Looking over her shoulder at Gilbert, who is writing. Poor fellow. Felicity opens another book. An account of Joe Skilleter's pig, who could say yes and no by moving his ears. Note, when Joe's pig was killed, it was tough eating. Another argument against the spread of education. Gilbert rises and comes down to table. He places a note before Kate. The few words, Squire. She takes the note. Ah, uh, uh, don't read them till I've gone. Kate replaces the note with a shrug of the shoulders. Christy rises. Gilbert to Felicity. Goodbye, little woman. Felicity rises with a curtsy. Goodbye to ye, Mr. Hythe. Sits again. Gilbert is going. Kate holds out her hand. Good night, Gilbert. Gilbert looks at Christiana, who is busy knitting, then speaks aside to Kate. You haven't read my note yet, Squire. Kate elevates her eyebrows in surprise. Gilbert crosses to left. Goodbye, Chris, my girl. Turn up your collar, Gilbert. It's bitter cold. Turns it up for him. You're right. There's a wet mist. We're going to have a bad night, take my word for it. Good night to you. He goes out left. Kate rises and goes to window right. Kate looking out. Good night. It is as black as ink. Shivering. Christy, make up a fire here. I shall read for a little while before I go to bed. Puts money and key basket in bureau drawer and sits on stool by bureau. Christiana, looking at Felicity, who is reading the little books. My hands are as wide as hers. Well, I suppose she is to be the lady's maid. Oh, Christy, Christy, after all these years, surely you are my friend still. Takes book from table. I know I'm your servant. Whether or not I'm your friend, Squire, is another matter. But I'm not a friend, and I own it. You're very foolish and very jealous. That's it. I'm jealous. I hope there'll never be a worse name for it. She goes out, door left. Kate sits on sofa, left. Kate to Felicity. You can run off to bed, little maid. Thank you, Squire. Puts books down. I shan't want you any more tonight. Felicity curtsies. Crosses to door left, carrying the soldier's portrait. Don't forget to say your prayers. Felicity, coming down. Squire. Looks round nervously, twitching apron. Kate looks up from her book. Kate, raising her head. What is it? I suppose there's no harm in a girl praying for her sweetheart. No, if he's a good fellow and worthy of her. If he's a bad un, praying's likely to be of more good to him. She comes nearer Kate and speaks in an undertone. Because, Squire, don't be vexed at me. Because if you like, when I'm praying for Tom, I might make a small mention of, er, uh, the other gentleman. Close to Kate. What other gentleman? 
Felicity, bending forward and whispering. The young lieutenant, squire. Kate rises angrily. How dare you? I am very angry with you. There's not the slightest... Oh, Felicity, how came you to think of such a thing? She draws Felicity to her. Felicity claps her hands and laughs. <laughs> He's such a nice young man, squire. You couldn't help it. Be quiet, child. We don't always fall in love with nice young men. We do generally, squire. May I just mention him, along with Tom? Parson won't know. Well, Felicity, there's no harm in praying for a man, even if one is not over-fond of him. No, squire. So, if you like, just a little for the young lieutenant. Yes, squire. And... And who, squire? And the woman he loves. Good night, dear. Pats her cheeks. Felicity goes up left. Christiana enters door left, followed by Isod carrying wood fuel. Christiana takes the wood from Isod and crosses to fireplace right. Why, Christy, what is he doing here? Christiana right, on her knees before fire. He's been sleeping off the effects of that wicked old man's temptation, poor dear. Takes up bellows. I'm better now, squire, thank you. I've been precious queer all the afternoon. Have you indeed? Well, now that you've carried up the wood, you can be off home. Felicity has gone up to door left. Felicity, up left, turning. Good night, Miss Christiana. Christiana, sulkily, lighting fire. Good night. <sighs> Blowing fire. Isod, unnoticed by Kate, gives Felicity a low, mock bow. Felicity, timidly. Good night, sir. Good night, Miss Gunyon. Makes a grimace at her. She goes out hurriedly. My poor brother has something to say to you, squire. It's this, squire. I hear that Gilbert Hive has had enough of the priors, and that there's room for a new handyman. Gunyon takes Gilbert Hive's place. You know that. Yes, squire, but in consequence of the old man's awful dishonesty with the Arvistale, I thought perhaps you'd like to chuck him over. Christiana gets to right of Isod. Now, squire, I'm doing nothing just at present. A gentleman, so to speak. Give me a turn. Have me at your own price, squire, and you get me cheap. Kate, rising. Look here, Master Haggerston. I don't want to do you an injustice, but I don't like you. There's no room on my farm for you. I shall be glad to hear that you're doing well elsewhere. Kate crosses to fireplace. The fire is now burning brightly. Kate leans against mantelpiece as Christiana goes over to Isod left. Isod left centre to Christiana aside. There, I told you, sir. She's a cat. Poor boy. To Kate, whose back is turned to them. Will you want me again tonight, squire? Kate, without turning. No. Go to bed, Christy. And I suppose Isode can be off about his business? Yes. Christiana aside to Isod, clutching his arm. Isode, I'll see you at past the dog, dear. 
then go and lie by the ricks near the five trees and watch who passes under the archway to-night how long am i to wait wait till a man walks from the market sinfield road and you won't wait long to kate good night squire dear kate turning good night christie christiana and isod go out left closing door after them the clock strikes nine kate looks at her watch already oh if that boy should not have passed the five trees before eric comes how provoking she crosses to door left listens then turns the key there's something about to-night that i don't like christie how unkind of christie to be so jealous still listening she goes to window left pulls back the curtain and opens window looking out that's christie and her brother walking over the stones and there's the light in felicity's room still burning i can see the shadows oh when will the house be still oh what a dark night for eric's lonely walk the bell rings in the court below katie draws back the bell so late what can that mean she comes from the window and draws the curtain over the recess something wrong in the village someone ill she crosses to fireplace nervously perhaps poor mrs tester has sent for me to read to her old mr parsley wants me to witness another will i've witnessed eight of them he has only a few spoons to leave behind him i can't go to-night a knocking at the door left who is that christiana outside christiana kate crosses quickly to door left and unlocks it christiana opening the door what is wrong christie christiana enters parson dormer has walked over from market sinfield and must see you to-night not to-night not to-night to-morrow dormer enters he wears an old inverness cape and woollen gloves i suppose a man ought to apologize for calling at this hour it's cold enough so one pays the penalty takes off cape gloves and hat and puts them on the settee left kate crosses distractedly to fireplace come to the fire parson he crosses to kate something unusual must have brought you so late crosses towards fire below table dormer pauses below table perhaps crosses to fire while he does so christiana upstage gently looks through the curtain into the window recess christiana at left centre aside she has opened the window the saint poor isod won't have to wait long going to door left shall i sit up squire no i will see the parson through the archway christiana goes out something unusual has brought me to you kate with exclamation and quickly i feared so i am here to render a service to john verity's daughter thank you dormer stands with his back to fire the red glow is upon them people think me a strange man but i am strange even to myself when i find my heart running away with me as it does to-night you make me frightened of what you have to say to me 
It rests with you whether I shall speak or hold my tongue. Kate moves front chair right of table. No. Say what you have to say. Will you be truthful with me? What do you mean by that? Strange thing for a rough man such as I to aim at. I want to save you pain. Puts his hand on her shoulder. Pain? I thought so. If it had pleased heaven to give me that one woman for a wife, and that woman had borne me a daughter, to that daughter I should have spoken as I speak to you now. Kate slowly places her hand in his with pain. Is anyone who might be dear to me dead? No. Kate sinks back. Someone has returned to life. Can it concern me? I hope no. Answer me one question honestly. Do you love this young soldier whom I saw here today? Suppose I say no. Then I leave you without another word. If I say yes? Then I deliver to you a message. A message? From whom? From the one who has returned to life. Yes or no? Heaven help me. I love Eric. In the distance there is the faint sound of Felicity's song, supposed to proceed from the room above through the open window. There's a jingle. Dorma crosses at back and listens. Sun is shining. What is that? The child singing. She is happy. Go on. I want the message. Dorma takes some papers from pocketbook. Hear the jingle. It is here, in writing. Addressed to whom? While you may. To the woman who loves Eric Thorndyke. I am she. Who sends it? Above her. The stranger at the White Lion. Who is the stranger at the White Lion? Lover. Eric Thorndyke's wife. Kate rises slowly, supporting herself upon the table. She and Dorma stand face to face. The song above ceases. Eric Thorndyke's wife. Yes. Falls back into chair. Shall I read the message? If you please. Dorma goes up to the bureau, puts on his spectacles, and by the light of the lamp arranges his papers. It is written in French. I have translated it faithfully. He places a paper before Kate. That is the original. She takes it mechanically, looks at it, then lets it fall upon the floor. At the same moment the shadow of a man is seen at the window left, and the curtains move slightly. Shall I read the translation to you? Opens paper with one hand, pushes it off table. If you please. Goes towards lamps. The movement of the curtains stops. Dorma reads slowly. I was a singer in Brussels with a sweet voice. They called me La Sardine. Stop. The siren, yes. I am a Protestant, born at Chateaufontaine, five miles from Liege. 
My father was an Englishman, my mother a Belgian woman. They died when I was a child. An orphan, like me. Touches lamp again. Three years ago, a student, Eric Thorndyke. Eric appears at left centre, holding back curtain. Married me secretly, but legally, at the Protestant church in the Rue de Starsat in Brussels. Are you listening? Yes. I married for money and station. I won neither. I found myself wedded to a man who was dependent on a wretched allowance and who dared not disclose his marriage. We were never happy, and I grew to hate him. One terrible night he discovered me in a gaming house, pledging his name to pay my losses. I feared him for the first time in my life, and I fled. Is this a woman? The fatigue of my journey threw me into a fever. For many a day I lay at death's door, and throughout the country where the sirens was a familiar voice, I was thought dead. Dead, I see. When I recovered, my sweet voice and pretty face had gone from me forever. I had nothing but a mad loathing for the man whom I had never loved, and I formed a plan to ruin him. Oh! I took a new name and fostered the report of my death, saying to myself, he will love and marry again, and then I, the wreck of what I have been, will come back to life and destroy his peace. Eric disappears. Not a woman, not a woman. But in time, my heart softened and my hate died away. My conscience won't let me rest, and now, when remorse has broken me, I drag myself to where Eric is, to learn what evil I have caused. If there be any wrong, it is I that have worked it, not my deceived husband, whom I have not the courage to face. Signed, Matilda. Is that all? Dorma, pocketing paper. That is all. Kate rises. How comes this creature to know of the existence of the woman who loves Eric Thorndyke. She asked me if I thought such a woman existed. I replied, yes. Then, said she, whoever this woman is, and wherever she may be, carry my warning to her before it is too late. Puts paper away and goes to sofa left. Kate struggles with herself for a moment. Her manner becomes completely changed. Ah, thank you, Parson Dormer, for your goodness and for your cold journey. May I give you some wine? No. He resumes his cape and gloves, then holds out his hand to Kate. Good night. She takes his hand. Don't come down. I can find my way out. Looking round. I used to quarrel here with your father. Good night. I shall look for you tomorrow at our harvest supper. It is the happiest night in our year. <laughs> Screams and falls back. Dormer catches her. He is going. She clutches his sleeve. Parson! Parson! Look! She points to the written confession which lies upon the floor. Don't leave me alone with that. That what? That. Take it away with you. Take it away. Dormer crosses to table 
takes up paper and puts it in his pocket and crosses back to left. Strange creatures we women, aren't we? And superstitious, a little. Remember, Parson dear, we must keep our secret. Think of the scandal and misery for poor Eric if this history became known. For Eric's sake, remember. You bear the young gentleman no grudge? I... no. Dorma, looking at her. Ah, uh, you'll eat a breakfast tomorrow. I shan't. And my wound is twenty years old. Good night to you. He goes out. Kate listens to his receding steps. Good night. Good night. There is the sound of the closing of a door in the distance. Gone. She looks round. Quite alone. She shuts the door softly, then, with uncertain steps, walks to the city left, upon which she sinks with a low moan. Starts up wildly. It's late. Let me see. She takes her wedding ring from her pocket. My wedding ring? I'll hide that. It is such a lie to carry about with me. She hurriedly opens a small drawer in the bureau right of it and brings it to table. It will rest there and can never be laughed at. She takes off her bracelets. These two, Eric's gifts. She throws them into the open drawer, then takes the locket from her neck. Eric's portrait. She opens the locket and gazes at the portrait earnestly. Another woman's husband. She rises. Nobody sees me. Music. Kisses locket. Eric covers his face with his hands. Kate throws locket into the drawer. As she does so, she catches sight of the papers lying there. She seizes them. Papers. I had almost forgotten. They would tell tales if... If anything bad happened to me. She examines them. Eric comes from the recess as if about to speak. Kate opens a letter. From Eric, when his regiment was quartered at... My own Kate. Oh! Eric sinks, horror-stricken, upon the chair by the bureau. His head drops upon his arm. Kate finds an old photograph. Ah, oh, a photograph of the church where we were married. I remember we entered at that door, not the one under the porch, and it brought us to the chancel. Ah, here it is. Reading. The parish church of St. Paul at Blissworth in Yorkshire. How pretty. It's one hundred and fifty miles away. What a long journey for such a marriage, a valentine. She takes the papers and kneels at the fireplace. She goes down on her knees before fire and burns the papers, first kissing them. Eric raises his head. A lucky thing that Christy made such a bright fire for me. Shivering. And yet it is cold. <laughs> I suppose heat never comes from burnt love letters. To the letters. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Eric rises and slowly comes down centre. Kate? Kate, with a cry, she starts up and faces him. <gasps> Eric! Music stops. I know everything. I have heard. What have you to say to me? Kate walks feebly towards him behind chair. Kate, leaning on chair for support. Nothing but leave me. I am looking at you now for the last time. How can I leave you when we are bound by such ties? My love changed me to you. Nothing earthly can break that. <laughs> the same words with which you wooed that other woman. Kate. Advancing. Don't touch me, or I shall drop dead with shame. Eric advances again. Don't touch me. I can bear anything now but that. You must hear me. Hear you? What can you tell me but that the pretty music you have played in my ears has been but the dull echo of your old love-making? What can you tell me but that I am a dishonoured woman? Eric turns away. With no husband, yet not a widow. Like to be a mother, and never to be a wife. Advances a step. You will listen to me tomorrow? Turns up a little. Tomorrow? I have no tomorrow. I am living my life now. My life. My life. Oh, what it might have been. She sinks on her knees with her head upon the floor by table. Eric bends over her. Kate, don't shrink from me. I go down in the same wreck with you. You are a hopeless woman. I stand beside you, a hopeless man. You never told me of the past. All oh, the times I have looked in the glass, with the flush on my cheek that you have painted there, and called myself Eric's first sweetheart. If you had told me of the past... I could not believe in its reality. She never loved me, Kate. She threw me away like an old glove or a broken feather. I believed her dead. Ah, Kate, do you think I would have stolen one look from you if I hadn't believed myself to be a free man? Oh, Eric! Eric! I had news from a distance that she had died, a repentant woman. In my dreams I have seen the grass and flowers springing up from her grave. Oh, Eric, Eric. What dreams will haunt me this night, the grave of your life and mine? Hand to head. Dreams that picture despair and parting. Walks up and returns. Eric, rising himself. Tell me where to turn, where to go. If I die... What then? If I live, what then? I'll do anything you bid me. Returns to her. But if you shrink from me at parting, it is more than I can bear. Only look at me. One last look. A look for me to cherish, Kate. Kate rises. No. No. He covers his eyes with his hand. There is a pause. Let me see your face, Eric. 
He turns. They look each other in the face, pityingly. Trouble makes you pale. Oh, how selfish I am. Poor Eric. I am thinking of the day we first met. How bright. And now, what parting? Hush. I shall go mad if you make me think. The clock chimes again. Kate, starting. Look at the hour. Good night. He turns to go. Stops. Holds out his hand. Touch my hand but once. Kate, looking at him. We are suffering so much together, aren't we? I don't know what I have said to you, but it is no fault of yours, dear. We were wedded in happiness. We are divorced in grief. Yes, I will just take your hand. Without approaching too nearly, she lays her hand in his. Their eyes meet. Oh, Kate, the future. With a cry they go to each other, but as Eric is about to press his lips to hers, she recoils with horror. Oh, no. I that have prayed God to make me good all my life. What should I be if you kissed me now? Oh, Kate. Go. Go, Eric. You love me too well for that, don't you? Heaven give me strength, yes. The door left opens, and Gilbert appears with a fixed and determined look, carrying his gun. Mr. Thorndyke. Well, sir. A pause. Why have you come back to the house? Gilbert puts hat on chair and shuts door. I have not left the house. I come for an answer to my letter. Kate, putting her hand to her head. Your letter? The letter lies unopened upon the table. Kate sees it. Oh, there it is, unopened. Gilbert walks firmly into the room and points towards the letter. Read it, please. Kate opens the letter, draws her hands across her eyes and reads, sitting right of table. Squire Kate... I will be satisfied that this Thorndyke's name is not to blacken yours in the mouth of the people of Market Sinfield. I shall remain concealed in this house till I can speak to you alone. Remember, my love makes me desperate. One more harsh word from you may bring mischief to another. Gilbert. Mischief to another? Eric slowly takes the letter from Kate. What gives you a right to control this lady? Her loneliness. My love. I was born and reared on these lands. We plucked wild flowers together as children. Are you her guardian now that she is a woman? I am. And of any weak soul in peril. Kate rises. What do you want of me? Nothing. Because I am face to face with him. Quickly then, sir, your business with me. Throws paper down. Mr. Thorndyke, you, who are supposed to be a sunshine acquaintance of our squires, are found here at dead of night, in the house of one whom all honest folks know as Miss Verity. Well, sir. Gilbert, pointing to Kate. I can't, I won't believe, but that that lady is good and pure. You either have a sacred right here, 
oh you are an intruder and worse than a thief you have to answer for this to me sir you are in the presence of a sorrow too profound to be disturbed by sharp questions and hot answers in justice to this lady we may meet to-morrow not to-morrow when i trap my game to-night ah gilbert you used to be so gentle eric restrains her pardon me squire my reckoning is with him mr thorndyke you have robbed me of a love which i have laboured for for years ceaseless yearning heart sickness hope raised and hope deferred sleep without rest thirst for which there is no drink that is my account what is yours i find you now where you can have no right but the sacred one of husband eric and kate exchange a look he comes nearer to eric and looks at his face is that lady your wife you approach me sir with the light of murder in your eyes and carrying a weapon your very tone sir is a sacrilege i tell you man there is a grief so deep that it is holy before heaven is that lady your wife kate advancing gilbert you shall know eric stopping her hush to gilbert do you threaten me i am the protector of a helpless woman i do you are a coward gilbert stamping his foot is that lady your wife then sir in the sight of heaven yes in the sight of the law no heaven forgive you stand back he raises his gun kate rushes forward with a cry and catches his uplifted arm gilbert gilbert the father of my child <sighs> music she falls in a swoon at his feet gilbert with a cry drops his gun and looks down with horror upon kate eric kneels beside her as the curtain falls quickly quick act drop picture eric supporting kate's head left of her gilbert looking on dumbfounded end of act two